Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi, and welcome once again to History Dweebs. I am Tim. Welcome to the podcast where we take a lighthearted look at the dark side of history. And the topic of our podcast today is checking out early the Weinkauf Hotel fire. Uh, Weinkauf Hotel was a very nice, uh, luxurious hotel in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, caught on fire back in 1946 and uh, claimed 119 lives. So we're going to talk about this um, disaster. Uh, But before we do, let me remind everyone that we are a comedy podcast and we use adult language. So if adult language offends you, go. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on your way out. And (laughs) well, that wasn't exactly what I was going to podcast. Yeah. We're definitely uh, we attempt and we, we, yeah, had, we yeah, make yeah. a we make a weak attempt at comedy, a futile attempt at comedy. Um, but uh, if 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 you know comedy is not your thing, or you're offended by adult language, and check out one of the other fine cat podcasts out there, uh, such as Renee's Time Machine. It's a new one, uh, Chuck. Yeah, it is. That's it, a good one. It's a history uh, podcast, serious history podcast, and Renee does a great job with it. It's mm-hmm. called Renee's Time Machine. It's available on iTunes. So Please check that out if you like history. If you like true crime, then check our friends out with They Walk Among Us. And if you like... They have a really good episode this week. They always have a good episode. I know. I I don't know why I'm saying that. I know. They always do such... And they're up again. They're up for an award again. Uh, The British Podcast Awards, uh, along with our friends at Slaughter. They both are up for the British Podcast Awards. So good luck to Ben and Rosanna. And our friends at Bloody Murder. Oh, yeah. Are they? They're well, up for an Australian award. Oh, an Australian award. Yeah. 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 Um, and I really like Bloody Murder. Uh, Tara does such a good job. We just and had Martin. Erica Kelly from Southern Fried. Uh, There's so many good podcasts yeah. out there. I don't know why anyone. Southern Fried True Crime. I don't know why anyone listens to this one. There's so many good ones out there. So they can mock us oh. on the other ones. Yeah. I, we we do offer, you know, uh, you know, we kind of, we're the kind of the, we set the bar, I mean, very low. We set the bar so other people can go achieve. Tim. Yeah, can go right over us. Now, we do have, I yes. will say, if you're in the mood for more serious fare. Yes. Timmy. Yes. Then tune in, look up Dead Ball. Yes, that's uh, our... We do some fine work on that one. Yeah, it's a good podcast. It's on baseball history and tragedies. Um, but it's human interest. It's not necessarily baseball. Yeah, we, we cover a lot of... Um, uh, stories about tragedies and baseball players who die young, that sort of thing. And if you're interested in current events and uh, public policy and stuff like that, uh, check out Rants and Reasons with our uh, good friend uh, Karen, the lovely Karen uh, Garrett, and you, Chuck. Yeah. And you this, guys just had a new one out on drugs. We been, are going to do the war on drugs in about four episodes, Timmy. Oh, good. A lot. You can never go wrong talking about drugs. No. No, I like drugs. <laughs> I know you do. Drugs yeah, good. They are. Helps helps you with all As your... As I said on our last episode, Timmy... Viagra's good. If loving Xanax is wrong, uh-huh. I don't want to be right. <laughs> oh, dude, I, my t- I told you my doctor took me off of Xanax, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it wasn't that bad. I thought... Because, you know, you read all these horror stories about being, being... People go crazy. Yeah, you know, being... But, you know, those people, if you took them off licorice, they'd have the same... Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. 
So I was like all freaked out because, you know, it gives you like I looked I, I was looking it up on the internet and there's all this shit that's gonna all these things you're gonna go through Seizures, once you start withdrawal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shit yourself. Yeah, yeah. you're yeah. fucking yeah. Eyesight, yeah. You're, you're gonna become a cripple. <laughs> and and I'll tell you just uh, and I don't want to make light. I know people use it and they have to no, use it. I don't want to make light thing, of it. It just it wasn't that. It, I didn't experience, thank God, any terrible withdrawals from it. When I went through an extremely, extremely stressful time to me, I was taking ungodly amounts. I mean, it was prescribed mm-hmm. to me. Uh-huh. And my doctor said, when this situation resolves, it's over. my brother was sick. And right. he said, when your brother dies, what you're going to find is you're taking less and less and less. You'll just wean yourself off. I'm not worried about that. Right. I did. Yeah. I did. I don't care. You're cured, man. I don't. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far. Well, okay. <laughs> I, no, I take I still, other. I, I still see you carrying around those uh, Xanax yeah. bottles. So. Well, you know, they're, they're handy to have around for yeah. the days that the devil drives you. Well, you know, yeah, but see, you want to climb th- that's the tower situational. That that's a situation. That's situational stress. Right. Brandy is in herself situational stress. She's a carrier, Timmy. She's a carrier. She's, <laughs> She's ground zero patient for stress. Zero. Patient zero for stress. Yeah. <laughs> she is. Uh, Brandy, unfortunately, is not with us today. Um, well, unfortunate for you. Well, I don't you know, I know. Yeah, but our listeners like Brandy. Uh, or they say they do. Maybe they're just being nice. But Oh, they're being nice. Uh, but Brandy, unfortunately, had uh, some other stuff she had to do today. So we had to make a decision on whether to... Uh, record today without her or uh, not record at all this week. So we thought we would go ahead and record. So you're stuck with me and the colonel today. I am happy to introduce the most dangerous man in podcasting today. And see, I'm not going to get interrupted because Brandy always interrupts me and casts dispersions on your titles and things. Uh, She's insecure, Tim. The uh, man who is known as the moral compass of our podcast, a man who is known as an oasis in the Desert of Despair, the very honorable, the Colonel, the Reverend Ch- Colonel Charles Beauregard, Hawk Waters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? Couldn't be better, Timmy. Couldn't be better. Things going well. I know you have a big weekend planned. Things going well. Just, uh, well, not a big weekend, just some low-key shopping and whatnot. You and, uh, and your wife are going out of town, the lovely Renee. Yeah, and we're uh, um, hopefully be back Sunday. Okay. And, you know, the world will be back to... Will you be fornicating this weekend? No. 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 Just just shopping. She will wear me down with shopping. Uh, I see. Wear me down. See, you always... get Do the fornication first so you get that in because after they take you shopping, then you're just... You're wiped out. You don't feel like it. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about getting a new phone, Timmy. Oh, really? I, I thought, had it with Apple. Wait, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me go back. Because the other day you were telling me what sparse kind of lifestyle you lead and that you but don't I, even need a phone. I don't need a phone. But if I'm going to have a phone, I want a phone where the goddamn battery don't go dead in 10 minutes. I know, right? Yeah. They can create. You know what? Here, they here, can send a man to the Mars, and he, but they can't make a. Uh, have they I, sent a man to Mars? To no, they haven't. But, okay. you know. Here's the thing. I mean, Steve Jobs died. And so apparently Apple has some limitations yeah. because he's dead. So now they just don't give a shit. It's like well, the, the thing boss is, is dead. Yeah, exactly. While the boss is dead, the castle. But they'll, they'll create every is. new, you know, when they get a new upgrade, mm-hmm. they'll tell you they've got, you know, a, a new camera with, you know, four million pixels or whatever. But the battery still sucks. Yeah. I know. I can't. Yeah, my my. I have to. I, I need to upgrade my phone soon. As what, well, what, you know, what version you got? I think I have six X S. Yeah, so you it's, can it's couple upgraded for twenty nine dollars now for the battery. Oh, just the battery. Because yeah, they I needed did it. This whole so thing. you're just getting the battery, or you're getting a new phone? No, I think I'm gonna go with the Pixel, Timmy. The new Pixel. Oh, uh, okay. Thing, because Logan told me it was cool. The new camera. Yeah. With uh, okay. Well, I will have to. Uh, I'm going to have to get a new phone too, because you know I get, you know, I, I get a little nervous when my phone, my battery gets low. Anything under fifty percent, I get a little anxious. But I don't need a Xanax. Yeah. Uh, so um, we're going to get into this story. Um, for, like I said, unfortunately, Brandy's not here. I want to give a shout out to Leanne, uh, my good friend, who, as you know, Colonel has the, has the softest hair in probably all of Great Britain. I would think. Uh, now, there's a lot of great, there's some Brits over there, and I don't know, can we, 
are we lumping Nicola and Rosanna? Oh yeah, uh, they have lovely hair as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, Rosanna's a ginger now. So. Well, <laughs> I'm. <laughs> what does that have to? She can still have soft hair. I know. I'm just saying she's a ginger. <laughs> oh, is it? You wouldn't touch it. Is if what you you're touch saying. it, yeah, yeah, it'll burn your hand. I see. I so. see. Okay, so um, a shout-out to the lovely Leanne and to Rosanna. And that uh, Ben and Rosanna are doing well. Okay, let me tell you about this hotel since we've been rambling. The 1946 Weinkauf Hotel Fire in Atlanta, Georgia, is the deadliest hotel fire in U.S. history, claiming 119 lives and injuring many more back in 1946. You know what? They was lucky they didn't have Yelp back then. <laughs> you think they might have got a bad review or two? <laughs> you figure one dead person, they probably got ten relatives. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a lot of bad reviews. That's a, a hundred bad reviews on yeah. Yelp. Uh, many of the victims, uh, Colonel, were forced to jump to their death to escape the fire. That's, yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Well, you, you have to make death. a call there. You know, the fire is blazing, and it's, you know, within inches of you so you have to make a you have to make a decision where you're going to stay and be burned alive or jump so many of these decided to jump it's really about the how you land i mean you got to drop and roll (laughs) i'm not sure if you're landing on concrete i'm not sure how that helps but anyway uh back in 19 1940s the weinkauf hotel was considered the jewel of the atlanta skyline I I came across this story. I went to, uh, you know, I was in Atlanta uh, back last fall, and I went to a museum there. And in the museum, they had a, um, a display of this exhibit of this of the hotel fire and the story. So that's where I got the idea to do this. And uh, this hotel was really a big deal. It, it was um, set across the street of the Lowe's Grand Movie Theater, mm-hmm. and that theater is where they held the world debut of Gone with the Wind in 1939. Oh, yeah, so, I mean, this was a big deal. It, uh, the hotel was 15 stories. It was uh, the tallest building in Atlanta at the time uh, the, of this fire, and it was considered Atlanta's most luxurious hotel. They had a lot of famous people who had stayed there at one time or the other, the hotel was built by William Weinkauf. Uh, they started in 1911 and completed it in 1913. Um, the structure was brick. The floors were numbered 1 to 16, uh, and ex- but excluded, you know, the 13th floor. 13th floor. A lot of, a lot of um, hotels do that, don't they? Mm-hmm. Buildings in general. Um and they they wouldn't have a they not only did they not have a 13 floor they never used the room number 13 either so there was 13 oh, really? was never in the building um it was um uh, its center core were two at its center core were two enclosed elevators and o- that opened to a T-shaped stairway um it was built utilizing the uh, building codes of 1911. Now, the problem was, you know, once they built, or, or at least back in the day when they built these uh, high-rise hotels or office buildings or whatever, um, they, they always would go by the codes of that time, naturally. So later when they're expected, they're inspected by, based upon the codes when they were built, Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So so this thing was built in 1911. Now this fire occur- occurred in 1946. So that's 35 years of, you know, of changes in building codes, but the, this hotel just went by the original codes. Now at the time it was built, it was considered um it was considered fireproof at the time. It had oh, a, no. Jesus. Like the Titanic, <laughs> like every other place. Every other as disaster. As you say, and you could be in a place that's never had a tornado before, and as soon as you say, you know what, it's built to withstand a tornado and an earthquake, you're going to have a tornado and an earthquake the same day. Yeah. Why do people say shit like I, that? I don't know. Oh, yeah. This, it's like this our podcast. We're now. guaranteed in our podcast not to get good reviews. So. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah, test that. We're, we're, we're bad review proof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the um, it has still frame. It was protected. 
but um, the thing was, it, it it was fireproof. At the time, that term was used by insurance companies to, and it meant only that the building wouldn't collapse in the event of fire. Uh, it wasn't meant to say that the f- building could not catch on fire, only that it wouldn't collapse. It was on, oh, so, okay. you know, uh, a little nitpicky there, but it was, uh, you know, if you go by that definition, it was fireproof. Um, now, the building was, uh, <clears throat> to tell you a little bit about it, they made an attempt to make the building fire resistant. However, there were no automatic sprinkler, there was no automatic sprinkler system, there were no fire doors, no exterior fire escapes. However, so they didn't try. They didn't try all that damn hard. <laughs> it was still by 1911 standards. It was considered uh, within code, right? Um, now, the owner of this building, the guy who built this building, was a guy named William Weinkoff. They named the building after him, William Weinkoff, and his wife Grace. Um, they owned a building. They built it, uh, and they were. Uh, ironically enough, William and Grace Weinkoff were really concerned about with the threat of fire uh, because they had a mansion in, um, on Peachtree. Uh, every fucking thing is Peachtree in Atlanta. Yeah. You know, every oh, yeah. street, Peach everything. everything. Uh, but anyway, they had a, a mansion in Peachtree Circle, very nice area of town. And their mansion caught on fire and it was totally destroyed. They almost died in this fire. And that happened on December 8, 1913. So when, as they were building this hotel, they experienced this terrible fire. So the couple uh, were very insistent on the builders making this hotel fireproof because they had such a, you know, traumatic experience with their home burning down. Now, it, so when they built this building in 1913, um, once it was built, the Weinkoffs move into this building because they're so – it was nice and modern, and they were assured by the builders that it was fireproof. But, again, it's the definition of fireproof. Now, they made a poor decision in moving on into uh, a room on the 16th floor. Uh, and I know you, Charles, know why it's a bad idea. To move to the 16th floor? Yeah. Because the fire department can only reach you up to the 11th floor, Timmy. Yes. So Once you get past the 11th floor, with all the technology we got, they can't help you. That's anymore. even today, right? Yeah. Uh, it's not even, yeah. you know, just something that was limited. There's something to think about yeah, when then, you're sitting up on the 34th floor saying, oh, I so, love this view. So when you go to Indianapolis this weekend with your lovely I'll bride. on the 8th floor, Timmy. <laughs> the 8th floor. I thought I, I only get You know, this ain't no lie, Timmy. Uh-huh. We went to Chicago one time. We I forget what hotel we stayed at, but we were on the 44th floor. Mm-hmm. And this was not long after 9-11. My cousin's a fireman. He told me, you know, once basically, once you get past the 11th floor, we can't do anything for you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where our ladder trucks will reach. We can't do anything. Right. I made him put me down on the 10th floor, Timmy. Ah, it was smart. Down on the 10th floor. Smart move, Timmy. So, so you're, this weekend you'll be, uh, you'll be in a lower level so you can get out in the event and, yeah. Well, you know, remember when we talked about Colonel Tom Thumb and his wife? Uh, yeah. They were in a hotel, they fire, were in a hotel fire. And they, they now, were saved luckily, by- they could run under the smoke. <laughs> but. They did get out. They lived and survived. But, uh, you know, uh, hotel fires is a, I mean, not that they're not a big deal now, but back in the day, they were uh, even more, and it was even more of a problem. And so it was important to the Weinkoffs that their hotel, their building, was fireproofed because they just went through this, you know, this this terrible, horrific fire of their own house. Um, so they moved into this this hotel that they just built for safety reasons. They thought it was modern, and you know, um, they'd be safe there. Now the Weinkoff, as I said, the hotel was the tallest building in downtown Atlanta at the time. Uh, at the time it was built. And uh, became the place to stay in uh, the Georgia capital. And although it, uh, the Weinkoffs eventually sold the hotel, 
um, they remained living in a suite at the hotel, even past the fire. Uh, but they moved down to the 11th floor, Colonel, so they, they did learn something. Now, 1946, of course, was the year following the conclusion of World War II, and much excitement filled the emotions of, uh, the, uh, of the citizens of Atlanta as Christmas approached. First holiday with the guys back from the war, guys and ladies. Christmas in Atlanta is just beautiful to me. Yeah, it's warm, too. Yeah. The citizens of Atlanta were preparing for the observance of the fifth anniversary of Pearl Harbor Day. Which is the colonel birthday. Exactly, a date that will live in infamy. Mm-hmm. So in the early hours of December the 7th, now, uh, the fire would catch many of the hotel guests and employees uh, by surprise. They would be asleep uh, when it occurred. So, you know, we had Pearl Harbor disaster. We had the Weinkauf Hotel disaster. Both happened on December 7th. And you were born on December 7th. Well, these weren't all the same day. I mean, I was I born a few years after this fire. But well, but I'm just saying, they're all three. Yeah, on December 7th. It's not all, a good day, Timmy. Not a good <laughs> three day. were disasters. Yeah. Um, some of the, there were 280 uh, guests in the hotel uh, on Friday evening, December the 6th, 1946, including a large number of teenagers from across the state of Georgia. Uh, they were in town to attend the annual youth assembly at the Georgia State Capitol that was being sponsored by the YMCA. So a lot of kids in this hotel. So to make this tra- fire even more tragic. The fire was first noticed about 3.15 a.m. by a bellboy who had gone to the fifth floor to help a guest, uh, and the bellboy got trapped. However, the first and only call to the fire department uh, was made at 3.42 a.m. by the night manager, who reported to have attempted to warn the guests by telephone of the fire. Because, you know, it's happened in the middle of the night. So how do you notify people? You know what I mean? It's, um, they didn't have fire alarms. Um, yeah, so he was trying to call everyone's room and, and, and warn him when they seen this fire break out. So uh, I'm sorry, they did have a fire alarm, but it was not sounded. Although by the time, uh, by the time people became aware that there were a fire, uh, there was uh, no escape, uh, especially, uh, especially for the upper, upper floors. The fire department was just two blocks away from the Weinkauf. The firemen responded quickly and arrived at the hotel within two minutes of, uh, of receiving the call. But by that time, but the, by the time the fire department you know, traveled those two blocks, uh, people were already jumping from the windows. It had to be a horrific thing to see in the middle of the night and people are jumping to their death. Well, you remember we did the Brenda Spencer story? Yeah. Um, and then the Boomtown Rats came out with that song, I, it, I Don't Like Mondays. Yes. And then this fire, there was another song that came about that. It was, uh, you remember the Weather Girls, Timmy? That song? <laughs> it's <laughs> Raining Men? <laughs> so you're saying it's, <laughs> okay. I was thinking We're going to get some complaints on we, that yes, one, we are. I think <laughs> we are. We're going to get some bad reviews on that. I was thinking of... It seems similar to the story we did on the uh, triangle shirtwaist. Triangle shirtwaist fire, uh-huh. shirtwaist triangle fire. Yeah. Uh-huh. But so people started right away jumping, uh, jumping to their deaths. The horrifying sound, uh, uh, the firefighters discovered dense smoke and flames emitting from the third, fourth, and fifth floors when they arrived. By the time they got there, just two minutes after being notified, um, they, you know, the fire was already out of control. They could they they, they could hear the horrifying sounds of trapped occupants um, echoing through the thick smoke uh, high above uh, Peachtree Street. And you know, if you look up, if you look up the, you can look up photographs actually. And we'll talk about this in a, in a bit. Uh, one of the guys, one of uh, one of the guys that showed up had a camera and uh, took a picture famous picture of a woman jumping from the fire and it became uh i think he won a pulitzer prize for it we'll we'll get we'll get to it in just a minute i believe we discuss it but anyway the fire chief was a guy named striden he ordered his men to begin an immediate rescue effort uh 
with the with the ladders uh, on the exterior, uh, while an interior interior uh, plan was de- deployed uh, using the stairway uh, to advance the hose lines up the stairway. So they're they're um, you know they're trying to douse it with fire from out the out outside and also from inside. They're using ladders to climb up to get the people in the you know that they can reach, and also you know firemen's inside going up the stairwells trying to get to those who are trapped. But much of the horror of uh, to the horror of firefighters, bodies begin to appear through the thick smoke above, and violently plummet to the sidewalk on Peace Tree uh, Street. Which is dangerous because, well, it's dangerous for the person plummeting, obviously. But <laughs> yeah, it's very dangerous for them. For the, for the firemen below, I mean, 9-11, I believe one or two firemen got killed like that. Well, and the thing is, it, this was at nighttime, right? Right, so you can't see them coming. And it's there's a lot of black, thick yeah. black smoke, and you're not. You're just seeing... And it's just... They're I, hearing people just hit the sidewalk. You... You just hear them... What? It reminds me of that WKRP where they threw the turkeys out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because in a fire like that, Timmy, people lose their heads. And they don't scream like four on the way down, like four (laughs) or incoming or anything like that. So you don't know. They should land right on your damn head. They could. So you're thinking they should be sighted? (laughs) I think there should be. I think there should be. Some protocol. Just. Just common decency, Timmy. <laughs> I'm coming or something. Yeah. Or, uh, Look out below. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> just something. Just don't jump on people's heads. Um, so when all this was going on, so firefighters are there. They're, they're, they're trying to get the ladders up to the building. They're trying to rush inside. Uh, thick black smoke. And, you know, these people are just hitting the sidewalk all around them. A second and third. <laughs> what? <laughs> It's not funny. Jimmy. It is not funny. It, it would be terrible to see that. It would mess you up the rest of your life. Yeah, it uh, would mess you up more if the person didn't yell anything and they land on top of you. Well, head. yeah, that's that's see, that's probably. I bet, I bet they don't cover that in firefighter school. I bet they do. You think I bet they, do? they do? Yeah, just like surf, just like lifeguards. You know, the most dangerous person is a person who drowned because they panic and they drag you under. Oh, uh, yeah. Try to save someone from, someone from a fire, they land right on your damn head. Yeah, see, that's one of the risks. Um, so what, cool. while all this was going on, a second and third alarm was sounded by Chief Striden at 3.44 a.m., uh, summoning additional engines and ladders. As the magnitude of this event continue to reveal itself a fourth alarm was sounded at 349 so it's a four alarm fire at this point uh and then they had a general alarm at 402 which i guess isn't up a general alarm is like the worst right yeah. it's like all hands everybody anyone can get, get out here yeah and and it calls them for it uh fire trucks from all over the area to to report to, to the location so all the Atlanta's firefighter, you know, the different fire uh, departments were called on to respond. And even uh, off-duty personnel, when there's a general alarm, they're supposed to respond. So it's sort of like 9-11 in that, in that sense because it's kind of all hands on deck. As the aerial ladders were being placed or being raised to rescue the trapped occupants, floodlights were activated and directed toward the building, which revealed the panic-stricken faces of the people who were desperately pleading and waving for help while hanging uh, from the windows of the room. Mm. Life nets were deployed and were held by firefighters, police officers, and just, you know, citizens, civilians standing around on Peachtree Street. As soon as the nets were brought into place, falling bodies began to appear through the smoke, making a hard impact upon landing um, upon the canvas of the round white nets. In the confusion, more than one victim jumped on the same at the on this for the same net at the same time. 
So they were jumping, trying to get in the, you know, they, it wasn't coordinated. And it, yeah. You know, there's, you know, they, you know, really, it was, you know, it wasn't like break you fall good. It wasn't um, synchronized jumping or anything. Yeah, yeah. That was the problem. They it, were jumping at the same time, at the same time and yeah, and hitting each other. Take a number. <laughs> Take an hour, yeah. Wait your turn. So when the bodies, I mean, and again, keep in mind, even though now they've got floodlights out in this building, they can't see very well because of the smoke, the people on the ground. So these bodies would just suddenly drop through the smoke, uh, firefighters climbing ladders, and those working on the streets were in harm's way. They so, get knocked off. And see, and I know people are going to complain. I know what you're going to say. You're victim blaming. No. No. Mm-hmm. These brave firemen are climbing up ladders, and like whack-a-mole, you're just knocking them right down off of it, Timmy. Yeah. It, it was. Mm-hmm. It had to be pretty frightening. Firefighter by the name of A.G. Burnham was struck, and here you go, Colonel, was struck and critically injured by a victim who fell or jumped from a window, while another firefighter had his coat torn off by a jumper who grabbed it uh, as they fell through their death. So he's climbing up the ladder. And like you're saying, these guys are jumping. They're just reaching out, trying to grab anyone. Almost pulled this guy off the ladder, but pulled his coat off. Right. Okay. No so, concern whatsoever. Well, they may have had concern, but you know, you know, they they were probably um, not thinking. They were they weren't probably following jumper protocol there. They were not. Yeah. Because you know, at if you go to a hotel, the back of the, your door, there's a it little tells you exactly where what the to do. where the yeah. exits are at. And mm-hmm. if you look at, you know, you got that little book in on your in your right. hotel. Every hotel room has that little book. If those people would have followed it, they would have been. If fine. they had followed, they jump probably one at a time. Yes, and one, do not got to jump and scream, scream uh, yep. when you're coming Take down. Do notes. not do not grab at firemen as you're going falling <laughs> no down. Way down. Right, uh, that's got to suck. Somebody coming from thirty floors up, just <laughs> grabbing a hold of you on the way down. I uh, know it has. It had to be a nightmare. All right, so these nets were designed for trapped occupants to leap to safety, but from lower floors, right? They weren't designed for people to jump from the 12th floor or whatever, right? It wasn't, they weren't, these nets were set up for people to jump from lower floors uh, of multi-story buildings. The majority of Atlanta's aerial ladders, here's, this gets to your point, Colonel, were uh, 55, uh, 55 to 85 feet in length. With the longest on the scene being uh, eight, one hundred or was one hundred feet ladders. So yeah. I guess to your point, where they can only go up so far, right? Yeah, they, they're only getting to the tenth, eleventh floor. Um, the trapped ocup- occupants. Well, in this case, it was only the eighth floor. The trapped occupants above the eighth floor had no hope of being rescued by the firefighters uh, using the ladders. So uh, the fire breaks out, what I say, four, fifth, six floors, and those above that, they're pretty much screwed, anyone above the eighth floor. While some occupants continue to jump, hoping to land uh, in one of the nets, others began to tie bed sheets together. See, you know, that's just something you see on Leave it to Beaver when he's yeah, sneaking I mean, out at night. Crazy yeah. Stuff, yeah. So they begin to tie bed sheets together for the purpose of making uh, makeshift ropes to climb down or they were just trying to climb down to the nearest ladder so say they uh, the ladders go up to the 8th floor and they're on 11 so they're making these uh, bed sheets trying to uh, lower themselves down to the 8th floor to get a ladder one of these one of the more uh, creative ones succeeded in climbing down the ropes uh, to the ladder. Why others? Uh, see, I I probably jump. They were engaged in desperate effort, but they where they they were climbing down these uh, hoisting themselves down on these bed sheets, these ropes that they made. Uh, they they, they lost their. They, there were some that lost their grip and then fell. If they knew parkour like the Colonel Timmy, mm-hmm. they, they could have done some Matrix stuff and got out of that building. <laughs> you think you'd been okay? I I'd just run down the side of the building, Timmy. You mean like uh, Spider Man mm-hmm. icing? Um, the so, thing to do if you're ever in a fire like that with a flat building, Timmy, mm-hmm. is what you do is you you hang from one ledge. 
Okay. And then you drop. And on your way down, you catch the next ledge, Timmy. <laughs> is that is it just like that? And is that really drop. easy? And then you catch the next ledge, Timmy. Yeah. I, I was never in a fire like that, Timmy, one time, but I was in a place that had a very bad bed bug outbreak. Oh, I see. And and, and, and you <laughs> so you, so you shimmy down the building. I basically just dropped ten yeah. feet at a time. Oh, I see. And, 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 and how 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 far how how tall was that building? It was probably eight feet. Okay, I see. Well, this was a little bit more than that. Um, okay, so you know, so all these spectators are out on the street by this point, right? They're watching this nightmare. <laughs> Get popcorn. Grab oh, I mean, you this know, guy's I, walking around Bud Light here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it had to be, uh, it had to be uh, terrible to watch. Several of the nets were destroyed uh, as the victims uh, jumped from the upper. Up, upper floors, mm-hmm. and they they came down with so much force that they ripped the nets apart. Oh, yeah, Ugh. it's called velocity, people. <laughs> just physics. Yeah, just physics. Um, Bill Nye, the science guy. Uh, it's believed that two sisters who jumped from the ninth floor window, each of them received a fractured spine. By the way. Uh, may very well be among the only victims ever to have jumped into a life net and survived from such an incredible height. So they, these two survived, but yeah, they were... They don't impress me. We just had, did one on a woman that fell, what, 30,000 feet from a plane? Landed. <laughs> That's true. And, well, and uh, Lon Chair Larry, who yeah, flew... Lon Chair Larry. He ended up getting killed, didn't he? Well, he died. He killed uh, himself. Yeah. Did you did, not to go off topic to me? But no, we would never want to do that. Yeah, we don't like to do. It. Yeah. Did okay. The, the CN or the, not CN, the Southwest plane that blew up uh, earlier this up, week. Yeah, and the lady, the lady was blown out the window. The lady was blown out the window. Yeah. And you know what I'm wondering, Timmy? What was she already? Was she blown all the way out the window? Yeah, or? I think so. I okay. don't know, but. My only guess, because those are tiny windows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it had to be like a Russian gymnast or something. Um, I don't know if if, is, if it's so. If do you, you think know, the suction's powerful probably. enough to take a normal size person? Just I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure if she went all the way through or not. I that that I because I, I never got that part of the story. But did uh, you hear the woman pilot talking? Yeah, she was cool. Oh, uh, yeah, we just have no no fire, just piece of our planes missing. Yeah, she she I'd have been she, screaming like she's, she's oh, my goddamn gone. plane's gone. <laughs> I would have too. I was screaming. I'm gonna need some medical personnel on the on the. Right. She like, was very she was very calm and collected. That's for sure. Well, you know, there's some, actually there's a theory mm-hmm. that people like her are actually defective to me. They're defective. Yeah, it's <laughs> no true. Um, like Navy SEALs, uh-huh. people like that. Normal people have this flight or fight yeah. response, right? How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. They think theirs is very inhibited, so they can face those kind of moments and stay calm. Mm-hmm. Where it's like a genetic thing, where they can face those moments and stay calm. Uh-huh. Where you and I, 
You know, we'd be, See, I, we'd be looking for parachutes. Fuck <laughs> these people on a plane. I'm getting off here. I have I I experienced the flight or flight syndrome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no fight to it. I, I it's just pure flight. I just experienced the. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna sit here. Somewhere. <laughs> I hope, hope no bad shit happens uh, yeah. to me here, but I'm not really moving. Yeah, she was. She she kept it together it pretty well. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Sully was pretty badass. Yeah. But this woman was well, badass. He didn't lose it. I mean, he he landed his plane right on the water, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he didn't have, I guess he she had, uh, it was part of the engine, wasn't it? That yeah, came she was like, no, Jesus no fire, Christ. just part of the plane missing. Yeah, I try not to think of that stuff when I'm flying. Um, okay, so anyway, where was I? So they, uh, these sisters, they jumped down there from the ninth floor and landed. And like I said, you know, it was, they were like, that's the, they believe that's the greatest distance, distance anybody has ever jumped into one of those nets and survived. Cause yeah, I've seen trapeze people do more. Than <laughs> have you? You think it's, a, it should be like little East German judges down there that <laughs> yeah, give them. Yeah. Oh, no. For the land. 9.0. <laughs> you get points taken off if you hit a fireman down on the Yeah, land. or you, yes. Yeah, your dismount. Exactly. There were, uh, they were, they, um, inside the wine cough, inside the hotel, firefighters worked their way up a single open stairwell. So they only had one stairwell going up, which was situated in the center of the building. They uh, there they were encountered. They encountered intense flames devouring the interior fixtures, wallpapers, furniture, uh, and furniture on the third floor. So it's third floor. Fire resistant furniture. Yeah, the the, I guess the fire started on the third. We'll get into that when we talk about the causes. As they struggled to maneuver their hose lines in place on the stairwell, with you know all that pressure from that water, which is not easy. You know, probably would be easy to do. Uh, the fierce flames above them uh, created a, a vertical tunnel. So they got this. They're trying to put out this flame. This flame is kind of shooting back at yeah. them. So uh, backdraft, Timmy. Yeah, backdraft. exactly. Here, the firefighters began an interior attack on the fire, while having to endure the blistering heat and thick, choking smoke, which was forcing the occupants above them to jump to their death. Their assignment was extremely difficult, having to advance upon the flames with the hose streams while carefully climbing the smoke-filled stairway one step at a time. And firefighters, man, I tell you what, they, they might not, oh, they, you know, they go a long time, you know, and they have a lot of downtime, but when they're fucking working, you know what? it's you a scary fucking job. No. If you, actually, if you was going to say to me, I'll pay you a million dollars Two million dollars a year to be a fireman. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. Although they get laid a lot, man. They do. In firemen, still could not climb those ladders. I know, but uh, if you had Jessica Lang up at the top of a thirty-foot ladder, Timmy, I mm-hmm. couldn't climb up to her. I would like to be a firefighter. Just, I mean, not really fight fires. I would like. To I be just like, like a, to have the uniform. Yeah, and yeah ride yeah. on the truck and yeah. then jump off and then and pick up women, women. fawn over me. Yeah, yeah. yeah just, that's what I want to. The the problem with is you have. You have to fight fires. That's the problem. You do have to fight fires. And, and they're, you know, they're known for their physical fitness. Yes. And yes. So we would fit right in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no, yeah. I mean, we could work those uniforms. Too. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's it. That, that's the thing, man. You have to be physically fit. You have to. Yeah. yeah they well, get laid a lot, though. They, they, do. Really, they make out like they bandits. Do. Yeah, you you carry somebody out of a building. They're yeah, women women like grateful. that. They yeah. do. Women like that. They like that sort of thing. Um, now, when the hose the hose streams were being deployed, so they're trying to you know pull these hoses up up the uh, up the stairwell. The hoses began to become tangled, uh, making it even more difficult. As soon as one hose line was extended to its full length, a hose clamp would be applied, shutting off the water supply with another length of a hose connected. So, I mean, it's a lot of work involved here. Uh, on the back side of the building, thick smoke filled a 10-foot-wide alley between the Weinkauf Hotel and the 12-story mortgage uh, guarantee uh, building uh, across the street on Alice Street. So, And we'll, I'll get into this, but some of the people were able to jump from building 
over to another building, survived. Here the scene was not unlike the one on Peachtree Street, with the exception there was no, uh, there was no space in which to maneuver the outside ladders. So because oh, of this okay. building, it was so narrow, they couldn't get ladders up. Uh, and they could not see the victims hanging from the windows because of the thick smoke. However, the firemen could hear them calling out for help. So, yeah, it's, it's not a good scene at all. So now the occupants were dropping their suitcases and other items from the windows to the alley below in an attempt to get the attention of the firefighters. Well, I guess it would get your attention if a suitcase landed on your head. Shortly, bodies began to drop through the smoke in the alley and crash upon the ground of a small alley. So it was a nightmare, man. One guest, 32-year-old Jimmy Cahill, escaped death from his room at the Weinkauf by climbing down an aerial ladder, then having rushed around to the entrance of the Guarantee Building, which was across the alley. He sprinted up the stairs, used a painter's uh, walkboard to form a bridge between the two buildings. So that's a smart thing, Colonel. Now, this guy was cool because he was from, he was from Albany, Georgia. That was not why he was cool but he was cool because he was uh, he had just got back from the military he was a uh, pilot from a B, uh, he was a pilot during the war and he piloted a B25 bomber so it was cool this was like another mission for him anyway he saved his mother from the Weinkauf Hotel so he runs runs across the alley gets in this other building runs up runs up the stairs to this roof gets this uh, painter's uh, you know Galf and uh, walkboard and places that across the building and he got some people off that way, which is pretty cool. And now while this is going on, uh, other uh, neighboring fire departments, firefighters and fire trucks, they they start showing up. In addition to the out of in addition um, to the out of town fire companies, ambulances were required to rush the injured to Grady Hospital and other hospitals in the area where the attendants, upon completion of delivering the injured victims, quickly rushed back to the Weinkauf to retrieve more victims. Within the number of dead, with the number of dead continuing to rise, undertakers from area funeral homes were summoned to take charge of the body. The fire continued to intensify within the building as the dark, thick smoke began to push from the windows with ever-increasing velocity. Uh, Along with the upsurge of momentum of the smoke, bursts of orange flames began to appear within, uh, within the smoke coming from the windows, followed by a flashover which occurred with a mighty blast. So now there are fucking things exploding. Multiple bursts uh, floors burst into flames all at once, and the orange glow illuminated the surrounding buildings. Um, you know, with this amber-like glow, firefighters directed streams of water from aerial ladders to the upper floors as best they could, while firefighters inside the stairways continue to battle their way up the stairways. These fucking firemen are. I mean, a lot of these firemen are inside the building still fighting this thing when this shit's exploding. And fire streams uh, were directed upon Weinkauf from uh, the windows of adjacent buildings. Firefighters having advanced hose lines there to gain the advantage of the elevated position. So they're, they're bringing in hoses and running them through neighboring buildings around this fucking place. For the next two hours, they would battle flames raging the interior of the Weinkauf, which now was closely re- closely resembled a blazing brick furnace. I mean, this had to be horrific. Collectively, the firefighters finally brought uh, the fire under control just before dawn. Remember, this thing started like at 3.14 in the morning. At first light on a Saturday morning, the brick of the smoldering hawk of the 15-story building was scorched and blackened with uh, covering soot uh, from the deadly smoke. But it was fireproof. Uh, Soot-stained white sheets tied together by the occupants for the purpose of their makeshift ropes dangled from the window ledges, a testament of their desperation of those who once occupied the popular hotel. Firefighters had already begun to bring out some of the victims who were unable to escape from their rooms. 
fire apparatus filled uh, Peachtree Street along with every increasing throng of spectators who had gathered to observe this tragic scene for themselves. Hearse's line, secondary streets, awaiting the remains of victims being removed from the building. With Grady's Hospital, with their Grady's Hospital's morgue being filled to capacity early in the morning, the remaining victims had to be transported to area funeral homes until their family uh, could perform the grim task of searching for and identifying their bodies. In all, 119 people had been killed, Colonel, and over 100 others injured. Among this number were 40 teenagers. Remember, they were in town for the um, for the youth assembly. Uh, 40 teenagers were dead. Um, among the dead were William uh, Weinkoff. He was the owner, hotel builder, and namesake. He lived with his wife in the hotel in Suite uh, 1011 and in 1012 for 31 years. He was found dead in a nearby hallway. His wife, Grace, uh, she died on the sidewalk of Peachtree Street. The couple who moved into this hotel 33 years earlier, because um, I said because they were assured by builders that it was fireproof, also were among the dead were Patricia Griffin. She was only 14 years old. She was daughter of Marvin Griffin, who would later go on to be the governor of Georgia. Um, who else was in this uh, among the dead? Margaret Nichols. She was 30 years old. She was a one-time Miss Atlanta runner-up. She died uh, falling from room number 720 uh, to the alleyway behind the hotel. Elmer... Cosnett, age 32, he was a Navy lieutenant commander, a highly decorated bomber pilot in World War II who just had recently returned um, from the second from the Pacific in uh, World War II. His uh, service had just ended. Neil Sims, age 33, he was president of the Business and Professional Oh, I'm sorry, Nell Sims. She was the president of the Business and Professional Women's uh, Association of Georgia. Uh, she climbed out of room 1504, so she was on a top floor. Uh, she slipped on a ledge and fell 15 stories, landing on the hood of a fire truck, and she broke her neck. Arnold Hardy, a 24-year-old Georgia Tech graduate student, an amateur photographer, won the 1947 Pulitzer Prize for photography when he captured the fall of victim Daisy McCumber from the building uh, with his last flashbulb. Hardy had been coming from uh, home from a dance. He heard sirens. He called the fire department to find out the location of the fire, and then... Um, Following the fire trucks, he uh, appeared at the AP office. Uh, following the fire, he appeared at the AP office with his images, uh, three of which were unusable, but the one of uh, McCumber falling, uh, they purchased from him for $300. The photo would appear in newspapers and magazines around the world. Um, and Daisy McCumber, fortunately, was one of the few jumpers who actually survived her fall. 32 engines, five aerial ladders, six service ladder trucks, and other support vehicles totaling 49 pieces of fire service apparatus responded to the Weinkoff Hotel fire. Um, the cause of this tragic event remains a mystery to this day. Now, Colonel, in response to the fire, a National Conference of Fire Prevention was convened in 1947, because this was a big story, and it was convened in 1947 by President, uh, U.S. President Harry S. Truman, uh, and this would lead to increased safety measures and upgrade of local fire codes throughout the country. Although the cause of the fire was never determined, it was believed that it occurred on the third floor, one of the hotel's Staff temporarily left a mattress in the third floor hallway. It's believed that someone carelessly tossed a cigarette that ignited the mattress, but there were no official conclusions regarding the cause of the fire after extensive investigations. 
The building was indeed fireproof as it was intended in that it didn't, um, you know, it didn't collapse. Um, but it was fireproof based, as I said, on when it was con- uh, that definition of when it, would con- when it was constructed in 1913, some 43 years earlier. The Weinkauf fire stimulated debate concerning uh, in, uh, the enforcement of new fire code requirements for older properties. Until the rash of hotel fires in 1946, the Weinkauf being the most prominent and most deadly, uh, such legislation was regarded as unconstitutional taking a property because you're retroactively applying uh, enforcement standards, right? Uh, but that change, among the many lessons learned from the Weinkauf Hotel fire, were that interior furnishings were of ordinary combustible material. So, despite the fact that the building was considered fireproof, uh, the materials inside the building were very combustible. There was no automatic sprinkler system installed in the building, there was an absence of exterior. Uh, fire escapes, which is, again, why people had to jump in a lot of the cases. Um, there was an absence uh, of installation of fire doors, which are now pretty standard. There was only one stairway for the entire building, leading only one uh, means of egress. What was once the Weinkauf uh, Hotel building still stands today in Atlanta is now the Ellis Hotel in downtown Atlanta. Thousands of people pass the building each day with no knowledge of the tragic fire which claimed so many lives in 1946. There's only a historical marker to remind those who occasionally pause to read the story of this tragic event. So there you go, Colonel. That's the Weinkauf Hotel fire. What are your final thoughts, if any? My final thoughts, Timmy, is uh, if you're going to jump off a building, have some common decency. Yell for the fireman. Give him a heads up. Uh, so that's the only thing you take away from this disaster. Well, and fire resistant does not mean fireproof, Timmy. Okay. That's fair enough, Colonel. Uh, I felt all safe we, all these years with my children in fire-resistant pajamas. Uh-huh. I did not know it was not fireproof, Timmy. So your children are combustible? Apparently. Huh. Apparently. What do you think? Let's, let's talk before we get into shout-outs, Colonel. Give me, I would like your thoughts, and we don't do this often enough, because, you know, we have a very active Facebook page. Yeah. History Dweeze, the podcast. And if you're not a member of that page, we ask that you join that group, because there are interesting people there. Now, I just mentioned that Leanne has lovely soft hair, but I would like your opinion on some of the people in the group that you would like to. uh, That I would like to touch your hair? No, 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 not necessarily touch. That's just Leanne. I like to touch her hair. But I would like for you to talk about just what overall general impressions you have about some of the people in our group. You can name names if you like. Well, I'm going to say Amber's probably the sweetest. Amber Croup. Yeah. Uh, from West Virginia. Because she's scarier than hell to me. Does she, does she scare you? Absolutely. She terrifies me. Okay. Who else? Every night I check under my bed to make sure Amber's not there. Because uh, I'm, I'm afraid that I said something on the page uh-huh. that offended her. She didn't tell me she's going to show up. And she'd be there um, ready. To, she's a little stabby. She's stabby. Uh, Callie? Callie Jones. Callie makes me scared. Callie Jones. Callie makes me scared. And she's a ginger. She's another ginger. Ter- scares me to death. Um... Of course, you know, we have my, my co-host from the other page, Shelly. Shelly Garrett. Shelly Garrett. Uh-huh. Um, from, who is with uh, your other podcast, uh, Ransom Reason. Ransom Reason. Here's what I found out about her, Timmy. Mm-hmm. She's a control freak. She is. Why, why do you say that? Because I was working on a Google document while she was working on it. Uh-huh. And I would type things in, and she would come back in behind me and erase them and eliminate them. <laughs> she, was, she was correcting you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what kind of person does that to me? Who does that? <laughs> well, someone who likes accuracy. What do you think of your thoughts on Mike Sadler? Mike Sadler's a good guy. I'll tell you one of my favorites, though, Timmy. Okay. One of my favorites. Of course, you got Clark. Clark. And Clark. Nicholas West. Nicholas and uh, Stephen Potts. You like Stephen? I like Stephen because Stephen is just Stephen has just got this thing going on that uh, you know what? I got two twin girls. I don't give a shit about the rest of the world. I got <laughs> twin girls that I'm trying to deal with. The that's rest a lot. Of the world yeah. is going to have to wait. You know, so that's and we got our good friend Karen Barnes. We love Karen Barnes and we love Shirley. Let me. You know what? I'm going to get into shout-outs here real quick. Too. Okay. Well, let's first. 
uh, let me say, we thank all of you for supporting us on Patreon. Mm -hmm. If you would like to support us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash history dweebs where you can give a little, you can give a lot, or Or just a wee little bit to me. And the Colonel is going to give a shout out to all the wonderful people who support us on Patreon. Of course, we got Ben D. Yes, Ben, good guy. We left him off the last couple of lists. We apologize for that, Ben. Jaro, James Seabright, Tommy Lane, Jason Dykes, Terry Stafford, my my co-host Shelly. Now, St- Terry has a alter ego. Does he? Oh, that's Malachi. Yes. Yeah. Um, my my lovely co-host Shelly Garrett, mm-hmm. Bridget Clavey, Brandy McBride, Jennifer Svoda, Maggie Glover, Mike Sadler, who we just mentioned, Jamie Demp, lovely Maja, Tyrone, Amber Scoville, Marsha Boris, Stacey also. Jody and Sean Wells, Amber Anderson, Ben and Roseanne from They Walk Among Us. Here. Ben and Roseanne, uh, who we're going to meet uh, in later September. In, the, in September. Also, Colonel, we should mention that uh, WeebCon 2 is being planned as we speak. It is. Anon is working hard on that as well as others. And uh, we don't have a date yet, but it's probably late September, early October. We'd love to see you here in Cincinnati for WeebCon 2, The Wrath of Brandy. That's right. Oh, yeah. Well, Lorna Violet, Mike Dale, Kelly Charette, Karen Widener, Callie, the beautiful Callie, uh, Lauren Meredith, Jessica Greeno, Pleasing Terrors, of course, Timmy. Yes, Mike Brown. Yep. Um, LK, and I never get her name right, Anute. Okay. Reen, Ursula, Marissa Albany, Sarah Bloom, Amber Croup, The Now History with Jeff. Now, you know History who, you American know, Podcast. Oh, or, yes. No, no, no. I got Jeff's Backroads of History. This is Joe. Oh, Joe Hopkins. Joe Hopkins, now America. Uh-huh. Catherine Cockeridge Richardson. She needs to work on that middle name. Yeah. Uh, you know who Ursula is? It's a Linick. Oh, is it? Uh-huh. Okay. Ursula's Fiona, the world traveler Crisp. Yes. Laura yeah. O'Reilly, Christine Bourgeois, Aaron, Kimberly Cameron. The attorney. Yeah, law. Yes. Elise, History Goes Bump with Diane Student. We got... The Ransom Reason podcast that sponsors us, Timmy. Yes. This show brought to you by Ransom Reason. Yes, they, they, they're very generous in their donations, and we thank them. If you like politics, check out Ransom Reasons on iTunes. Jahara, mm-hmm. Alicia and Chip, Marika Smith, and of course now we got Jeff and Dom from Backroads to History. And poems by poems Jeff. Poems by Jeff. Jeff's just, Jeff's just a He's a goddamn dapper man, Timmy. He he wears a lot of different kind of socks. He does? He has some sporty socks. He does. We got Karen Barnes, Rachel Flynn. Um, let's see. Karen Barnes, Rachel. Shirley. Squirrely Shirley. Shirley Strap from Canada. Todd Long, Lydia Fisher, Phyllis Munson, Melissa Montoya, Christine Malachinsky, Paula Kimes, Per Westman, Amanda Christine... You know, we've left Paula off last couple times, yeah, too. Yeah, we so have, Paula. We apologize. By, and we love having you in the Pear? too. Is it Pear or Per? Per Westman. Per. We, we're sorry we left you off a couple times. So we have, if we missed you, we're, we're getting it together. We're trying to get it together. Yeah. yeah. The devil ain't here to fuck things up. I'm yes. doing this one. Yes. Amanda Christine, Heather Poole, Adam McWaters, The Vanish Podcast, Timmy. With Marissa Jones. Yeah. And the 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 podcaster with the greatest teeth in the business. Who's that? That will be Christy Lee from Canadian True Crime. Yes. What about our friend Nina from? Uh, she's she's already gone. Woman, Timmy. She is quite a lovely. We're hoping woman, that she'll she be back. She, we, we've been scary too, though, Timmy. We're hoping that she'll join us for. Uh, I certainly hope so. Dweebcon too. She was at the last Dweebcon event. Yeah. Now we got Insight. Yes. Charlie and Allie from Insight. Our Joe good friends, Clifford. Charlie and Allie. Mistress Vader. Ron Monasterio. Tracy Smith. Jess. John B. Nene. Bridget Bernard. Stacy. Christine Howard, Cheryl Weldon, Nicholas, Ryan, Margaret McDonald, Aaron Turner, Michelle Johns, Clark and Diane Tobridge. Hey, Clark. Tobridge. Um, Clark out there shooting squirrels. Well, What's I wrong th- with you, Clark? Well, surely you'll be upset about that, but Clark should be here for uh, DweebCon. He, he will be here yeah, for DweebCon. Yes, that's Can't wait to see him again. Beth Wallen, Andrew Scammell, uh, Michaela Wallstrom, Aaron Fowler, Leanne Flanagan. The lovely Leanne Flanagan with her hair. Marissa. Yes, Marissa. Albanese. Yeah, Marissa, thank you. Lady Beverly. Yes. Rudy. 
The Wonder Dog. The world's most dangerous I s- canine. I saw you post that picture of him with his, uh, with his bandana. little do-rag on Yeah. It. Yeah, with the little skulls on it. Yeah, he looked very he looked uh, like sharp. he was going hard, Demi. Yes, it looks like you, he... I thought he might have joined, you know, uh, the Sons of Anarchy or something. <laughs> he got him a little The puppies of Anarchy, yeah. does he? Yeah, yeah the, the canines of Anarchy. Yeah. And, of course, the woman we do this show for, Timmy, the week after week after week after week, Dottie Scott. Yes, and I'm, she is, uh, and she likes this podcast, and she also likes Dead Ball. Oh, she good. would like for us to do more Dead Ball. So we will do that, Mom. Uh, thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next time on History Dweeves. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Good day. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.